I love the Kiwi term. I don't know if it's Kiwi term, but you splash out on a comms every once in a while. I'm starting to use that. What do you guys call students? Togs? A swimsuit? Togs? Yeah. I mean, they're all coming back to me now. Uh, Maz always used to say that she was skin. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I use it all the time now. People in the US are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, we're a little skint. Meaning like, yeah, we don't have the money to do this or whatever. But splash out. That's a new one. Hey, yeah, we're going to splash out on dinner tonight. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 444. Did you know, probably not because this is an obscure one, that the Sulkin Bridge in Sulkin, Slovenia is the world's longest stone arch bridge railway. Yeah, that's a bit specific, but when your country only covers 0.004% of the earth, you take what you can get. One of the things that I admire the most about today's guests, and actually something that I realized pretty quickly when we first met way back in 2010 when we were all living in Japan, was the fact that Monica and T, who now I've known for what's crazy, 10 years, always were looking and striving to learn more and better themselves, whether that be through adventure and, and traveling, whether that be through quote unquote book learning or, or learning skills, they always wanted to continue to push our limits and get better at whatever they were doing. And it's been for me just a, such a motivating thing to see them continue and progress over the last 10 years. And one of the cool things about continuing and progressing and learning is that you can do it while you are still traveling. They talk about how they do it in this episode, but if you're looking to do it in a formal way and if you're looking to get a degree, one of the things that you can do and one of our partners here at the Extract Pack of Peanuts is Oregon State eCampus and they have over 70 online programs so that you can earn a bachelor's degree or even some master's degrees while you are still getting out, exploring the world, getting to live life on your own terms. They do a fantastic job at this. That's why they're ranked number five in the nation by US News and World Report. So if you want to check out everything that they're doing, you can go to ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. Remember, we get love from the Oregon State people if you use our link. So that's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today are two people I've spent uncountable amounts of nights singing karaoke with, who graciously played host, and Heather and I got to experience what I think is one of the coolest things in the world, a Sydney, Australia, New Year's Eve session, which you guys, do you remember? I mean, we were, that was a long time ago. <laughs> That was cool. And, uh, and who I've been living vicariously through the last year as they travel around on their three-year round-the-world trip, my favorite Kiwis in the whole world. Or Andrew Beaumont, if you're listening, it's a tied top three, so don't worry, but you're still out there. <laughs> Mon and T, thanks for joining me. A huge, huge, huge welcome. 
Thanks, Dang. Trevor. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, guys, I want to give you a little bit of backstory um, about how this interview, and we call it an interview, how this conversation, let's call it that, uh, came to be because I said I've been living vicariously through you guys the last year, and I have, but really, it's kind of come to a to a tipping point the last couple of weeks because you're in one of my favorite countries in the world, and I am not there, being an American, certainly not able to go to Europe. So tell everyone where you're at and what the last couple of weeks have been, and then we'll get into why we decided to record this conversation. Yeah, so um, I guess we're in Slovenia, which is an incredible place, and we never thought Slovenia would be as magical as it is. Um, it was so unexpected, but yeah, it was just kind of a place out of COVID. Uh, we were in London. We made our way to Norway, got declined at the border, mm -hmm. which is all part of the COVID travel. Um, they turned us around. We went back to London, sat there, and we started just looking for countries that would take us in for tourism. And Slovenia, where else was on the list, I guess? Switzerland, Switzerland. Iceland. But yeah. nowhere else would have us, and we yeah. were very happy to end up here in Slovenia. So we popped on a plane, came over and hit Ljubljana, and then it was amazing. And we've been yeah. here for like three and a bit weeks now. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, if people have listened to the show, they they you know, we don't talk about Slovenia every episode, but we talk about it a lot because <laughs> I think for my money, it it I I forget the term I use there, punches above its weight more than any oh. other country. Like it's tiny, tiny. <laughs> yet you have the mountains, you have obviously Lake Bled, which if anyone knows anything about Slovenia, that's probably what they know. The lake with the church in the middle on the little island. Um, you've got, uh, you do have a beach town down on the coast, which I don't think you guys have gotten to yet. Piran, I think it's called. Um, you've got the caves, which I didn't get to, which we could talk about. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a tiny country and yet you have so much. And then you have Ljubljana, which is just a postcard perfect little central european town that has kind of all the amenities you would want including the best gelato in the world and super accessible so yeah i think getting stuck somewhere or not stuck but being somewhere for three weeks that you might have skipped over mm -hmm. another time it, it seems like that is kind of a cool little covid story to say yeah we fell in love with slovenia and we we probably weren't even planning on being here yeah. Yeah. And I think we had planned. So we, we kind of have a structure. We had a structure before we kicked off of every country we kind of wanted to go to and an approximate time to spend there. And Slovenia was like a one line, like one week kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like see Lake Bled, as you said, probably see Ljubljana, maybe like two other hotspots. Um, and yeah, it, like I couldn't have wished it to go any other way. Like mm -hmm. to have this much time, it's just, it is exceptional. It is what you said, punching above its weight. It's more than that. It's just, it's a hidden gem that people need to know about and, and check out. Yeah, we're going to talk about your spreadsheet at some point. Yeah. Because I remember before you guys left, like, where are you guys going? You said, it'll be easier if you just look at this spreadsheet. <laughs> and I remember looking, I'm like, oh, he's probably got a few places down. That thing was crazy. Like, it was awesome because I, I'm like, I'm not even taking this trip. And it's fun to look through this spreadsheet, um, which we'll, we'll get into because obviously things have changed. You know, when you guys left last July, no one had any idea COVID was going to hit. And then, boom, you know, about eight, nine months in, or, or maybe a little less, all of a sudden the, the world's kind of taken a turn. So I want to talk about that traveling during COVID. But I also, the other big topic I want to touch on is this idea of 
an extended three-year trip, and whether people are going three years or a year, six months, whatever, but like a, a longer trip, but doing it on a budget that is, I, I, don't, I don't know, for us, it might feel luxury because we're used to like really cheap backpacker things. We can, some of those Japan stories may come out in this conversation, but it's like a mid-range budget versus what all of us probably would have done five, six, seven years ago of this kind of broke backpacker. Let me do $50 or less a day. Let me just go as long as I want. And you guys said, well, you know, I, we don't want to do that anymore. We're older. We'd rather save, have a, you know, quote unquote, higher end experience, a more comfortable experience and do that. So I want to touch on that as well. And that's really what got me, not, not only did I want to catch up with you guys, because we were like pinging back and forth because you've been in Slovenia for three weeks. So I'll tell everyone just a quick backstory. We're like, you know, you're putting picture up in Slovenia. I'm like, please go here, send a picture of this. So we were chatting. And then finally, when we, when I got up yesterday and we were, we were talking about something, you asked me if I'd gone to the caves. Was that it, T and Mon? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I'd never gone. You guys said it was amazing. So we started chatting and, um, you know, I was like, well, how much you guys spend in this and that, you know, obviously getting curious. And we started talking a little bit. I'm like, all right, will you guys come on and do a podcast? Cause everyone needs to hear this. And then that here we are the very next morning, uh, doing it. So I didn't ask you too many questions beforehand. So it's going to be somewhat new to me as well. So why don't we, why don't we talk about that first, this idea of the plan, and how long you were doing it and the budget and all that, because then we'll kind of, we'll kind of take it um, chronologically and then go up through what the travels have actually looked like. For you all, I mean, this is a three-year trip, so this is a, a long trip, and you obviously need a lot saved. When did you even start thinking about making this a possibility? So um, it was always a dream of mine, like personally, I think, like, I was lucky that Mon is, loves to travel, so we've been together 11 years now. Coming up, 10 and a half years. 10 yeah. and a half years. Um, so, like, and during the whole time we've been together, like, travel's been, you know, we met in Japan and we all, we all bonded on traveling. So I, I was lucky that Mon loves traveling so much. So I just knew at some point in my life I wanted to do a big trip. And I'd done a big trip with one of my best friends in, in my early 20s, which was the $30, $40 even cheaper actually backpacking through asia we spent six months uh we're eating dollar you know meals and and all of that and it was one of the best things of my life like we we just did so much in a long period of time and it was very budget but it was extended and it was magical and we just met so many people and it was a really life-changing kind of experience so off the back of that i always wanted like another big trip and we we said let's go for a year mm. let's like do one year let's work for a while and let's do one year sometime in the future. Like we'd started working. We're like, cool, let's start saving towards that. And then we kind of planned it and it became two years and we're like, was that wow. when the spreadsheet first reared its head? Was yeah. that okay. All right. This spreadsheet was years in the making as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, it started out as actually it started out as some notes and an app on mm. T's phone of like, you know, the best places that he'd seen other people go to, he just like would put, places in then probably a year before we started the trip we sat down and we got t got out a massive world map and um we kind of thought about where we want to go and so we plotted everywhere on this map that we then put on our wall um and went into detail on every place or every country that we wanted to go to and we thought what else is in that country or nearby that we really want to see so that we could put it in a spreadsheet and we could look at how long is it going to take? And initially when T was like, you know, I want to do this year trip, I was like, okay, sure. Like 
well says, it was always so far away because we talked about it probably eight um, years ago, so seven yeah. years before we started travelling. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure, a year. Like, <laughs> we do it, then we plan it, and we're like, oh, this is looking more like two, two mm. and a half years. Then COVID hits, we're like, it's going to be three, three years. years. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, it was definitely, yeah, two and two and a half and then we kind of rounded it out um, because we were like well there's that point yeah (laughs) at that point um but yeah i think and like well before we we just did the savings as well and i think um shout out to you Mm because like meeting you in japan and teaching us about the credit card stuff and the points was actually how we traveled in all the years in the middle for free so we did four week trips every year we were working. We still took our leave and went to Europe, went to, I went to the world cup in Brazil in 2014. Um, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. We did like big cool trips, but we never paid for flights and then we Airbnb our com. So our com was over. So our four week trips were really, really affordable. Mm. So it meant we didn't even need to sacrifice for the savings of the big trip that we knew was coming in a couple of years. So that kind of yeah. started early. And yeah, your advice at the beginning was killer to the kind of the whole. <laughs> yeah, I, it's crazy, right? Because when we all met 10 years, was it, it would have been 10 years ago, right? Yeah. 2010. <laughs> yeah, when we all met 10 years ago. Wow. Um, you know, none of us had any, I mean, I think we all knew we like travel to some degree because we all found ourselves teaching English in Japan. But, you know, T, you had traveled quite a bit. before that and I Heather and I hadn't really like it was nothing extended or nothing I would say that was out of the norm maybe um and you know some of our friends we met there had some too but it's just wild to think back that you know I think again we think we all do we like travel but we wouldn't have known like you guys were going to go on this crazy trip like Heather and I were going to obviously make travel a huge part of our lifestyle and 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 business and you know, Drew was going to not be in New Zealand and live in London. And, uh, you know, like everyone has taken paths that I don't think you could ever imagine back when we sat together during that first, I think it was Halloween when I met you two that first year, right? We went to a Nomi Hode, Tabe Hodai, guys, if you don't know, it's like all you can eat, all you can drink. It's just a mess, karaoke. Um, and we we're all dressed in like just goofy costumes. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see how like each other have influenced everyone else, you know, and if, and Sophie went and lived in Singapore for a while. And then I think she's in Scotland. I don't even know where she is, you know, but it's neat that we've all been able to kind of take different paths, but end up back to a common goal of getting to see a lot more of the world and see it in a way that isn't just quick. Oh, I visited here. I'm gone. People have been living other places. We visited you in Sydney. You know, you guys came to Canada last year to visit our other friends from Japan. Um, it's been a pretty neat thing, I think, when you get yourself around other people, even if it's subconscious, they're like pushing you a bit mm-hmm. just by you seeing their Facebook, right? Like maybe that is like, oh, their travel, I'm going to do it too, right? Even if it's subconscious. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way when you check in on other people, but I know I feel that like almost pride of what the group has been able to, to do. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I think such a global, and again, the experience of Jet was so global maybe that by nature led to everyone being such kind of big travelers, whether live in, live in a different country, which is a big step by itself, right? Like not many people go and live and work in another country for an extended period of time, especially 
if it's in non-English as well, if English is their, their native language. So I think that's amazing. And that's, that's a, that's a challenge that when people do it, it leads to some awesome experiences in life. And uh, yeah, looking at that group, it is so vast where everyone is. Mm. It's, it's scattered across the whole globe. <laughs> I, I remember having a, a discussion with our friend Courtney, and I think it was Courtney and Heather about this. And they, we made a list and, and they didn't want to play this game, but I kind of made them. When, when we were leaving after the second year, I was like, all right, let's make a list of all our closest friends. You know, there's like 10 of us, right? In this group, 12, whatever it was. I'm like, all right, what are the percentages? We see all these people again. And I was lower than, than Courtney and Heather. They were, you know, everyone for them was like, oh, well, like 90, 85. And I'm like, guys, let's be realistic. I mean, you know, you think you're going to see all these people and then they go off and they do other things. And, uh, you know, so I was like 50. Okay, we'll definitely probably see this person, you know, like we're in US, people in Canada, probably like 70. And within, I think it was a year and a half, we had seen every single person. Like, because we came and saw you guys in Australia. Um, and when you guys were in Sydney, it was crazy because it just, again, you're, you're kind of driven by being around those people. Like, oh, I've got friends here. Well, I might as well go to Sydney. And see them, right? Like the you, you, you know, people in our, of who are listening and, and our types of personalities, you just need an excuse, and it doesn't take much to have an excuse. Oh, I met this one person. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so it's been pretty pretty cool to realize that it, that it, you know, when you travel or when you live abroad, you meet people, and the bond is sometimes, at least in my experience and yours, a, a tighter than maybe some other bonds that you might have because there is their shared, shared passion, but also shared experiences that are. Know, living in a non-English country is not always the easiest thing to do, right? Yeah. yeah, super unique. So for you guys then, all right, you start planning it. Mon's like, all right, yeah, it's seven years away. It's six years away. It's five years away. It's four, you know, like just like, all right, we're, maybe, uh, maybe we'll do this. But then when it starts to get a bit closer and you, you know, let's say you pull that map out. I don't know if that was an aha moment, but you start pinning stuff. What? Like, what was the deciding factor for when you were going to leave? Was it, I want to have this much saved up or was it a date or was there some like life uh, pillar, like I'm this age that, that kind of spurred that on? Yeah. So um, I think a big part, so we were lucky enough, the company that I work for, we opened a US office. We got to live in Austin for a year. I forgot um, about that. I yeah. totally forgot about that. All right, yeah, I cool. see you in that time, which is insane. But yeah, that experience for both of us was incredible. Like Austin Loved is it. such a cool place. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, uh, my visa got declined to continue working there. So we headed back to Australia. And I think that was the trigger moment because we, you know, we loved this US experience. I'd been at the company uh, probably, what, six, seven years mm-hmm. by then. Um, so quite a, quite a long time. I was quite a hefty role in which I was, you know, really busy. Um, and I think just going back to Sydney was like, you know, Sydney is an amazing place, beautiful beaches, great city, but it wasn't new and exciting. Austin was so exciting and new and we could see all the U S we went to New Orleans, to Miami, the Caribbean, LA, like New York. Like it was always like, I was watching like NBA games, NFL games. Like it was wicked. So much fun. And then you go back to Sydney and you're like, ah, you know, this is just all very normal. And yeah, that was like, we're like, cool. You know, we're both kind of at a career point where we're like, you know, should we do another year's worth and let's see what the bank account's like. And it's, yeah, it's about at the right number. If we, you know, do one more year, we'll hit the 
the right amount to kind of kick off the travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when the planning kind of started. We came back, we settled back into Sydney. We tried to get back to the US for like six months and it and didn't really happen. And then we were like, cool, let's see what this looks like. And I think that's when the map and the Excel and all that kind of ramped up and we we're like, all right, we need this much. We have this much. Another year and a bit, we'll kind of round it off. And and we're kind of both in a career place where like I wanted to change and Mon um, was happy to take on, you know, do the trip and mm, start something new, start yeah. something new. And so that was a big part of it. And um, going like, again, like coming back, like, um, you know, one of the people, my team members was um, plant-based. So like we went vegan and uh, like that kind of changed my perspective of work as well. So it was kind of a double header. It was like coming back, you know, doing seven years and then there was the eighth year to go and being like, well, all I'm doing is kind of, you know, helping, you know, big companies become even bigger, but I kind of now have thought about life a little bit differently and I want to spend time doing something different. So it was cool. Let's be selfish for a bit. Let's go travel. Let's go do all the bucket lists. Let's have the best time for a long time. And then when I come back, let's do some good for the rest of the, you know, the time we have. So that's kind of the trigger moments. I completely forgot and this is what's crazy, right? When you have so many shared experiences that you guys were in Austin and we missed you because Heather and I wanted to come visit. And I remember we ended up being in Austin two or three weeks right after you guys had to leave mm. because of the whole visa thing. I remember I was trying to like, hey, you guys going to make it? You can be able to stick it out. And I, you guys like, we don't actually know. We're probably not. We're probably getting kicked out. And if you guys have, we're going to have to get back to a few of these stories at the end here. If you've noticed, like Mon and T have a history here. They've mentioned two different times they weren't like they were either kicked out or not allowed in the country here. <laughs> All right, kicked out of the US because of the visa. You know, Norway didn't let you in at the beginning of this trip. Um, man, but I've never met actually two people who take so much in stride, which is, I think, a testament to your personalities, but also a testament to the experience of traveling and realizing, hey, w- like we're traveling almost for this reason, like we're traveling to be pushed out of our comfort zones. Like you mentioned, T, you know, Sydney, awesome. Some people for that, that'd be a dream to live in Sydney, but, but it's just all relative. You guys had lived there and said, well, it's, it, it's great, but it's not new. It's not exciting. So we don't need that right now in our life. We want to push to, to kind of push our boundaries some. Um, and both of you just like, anytime I see something come up, like we're not allowed Norway, we're here in London, not like, Oh man, those Norwegians suck. And this, it's like, all right, we'll go to Slovenia. And so I've never met two people. And I mean, this completely honestly, who are just so laid back about <laughs> stuff happening that would piss other people off. I consider myself laid back in there. I'm not even close to that. So, um, let's dive. I just want to dive into personality stuff a little bit here. What do you think it is? Do you think you play off each other or, or am I just seeing the outside version and inside you're really roiling, but you don't show it to the world because I've never seen either of you get upset about something that would upset a normal person. You should see me in a car rental place. I get pretty spicy. I get pretty spicy and Mon has to, Mon has to calm, calm it all down. We do balance each other out really well. So some situations like that, that T just is like, I'm not dealing with this person. Like what is going on in this moment? I'm like, hey, don't worry. I can deal with this situation. It's fine. 
Um, but like you said, I think a lot of it comes from travel experiences. So the more you're confronted with uncomfortable situations or, um, you know, you're not able to do the thing that you had planned to do, the more comfortable you get with it and the more I think you start to look for the opportunity in the situation. And I think T's always been really good at that and that's inspired me to work on that myself because I struggled so much when things didn't go my way. Um, like Austin, for instance, when we had to leave the US, that was probably the hardest thing that I've had to deal with. Moving to Japan was extremely difficult, um, but then getting kicked out of Austin was really hard because it literally happened in like three days. We lived there for a year and a half. Suddenly, I didn't have my job, didn't have my friends, didn't have my apartment. We're in Sydney. We were like, let's hope we can get back. And that went up and down, up and down, up and down. We had an opportunity. It went away. Um, so I saw T go through that situation where he kind of just dealt with it, took it in his stride and found opportunities from being in Sydney. Um, and I really struggled through it. But over time, I've looked at things and I really now search out the good in the situation because that just makes everything better. Like it, you, you can always see a positive to the situation like Norway for instance um instead of being in Norway we ended up in Slovenia and this is great like it, it, as long save as save yourself a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> as long as it's not life-threatening I think you can you can either learn something from the situation or you can see the good and and what else becomes available because of it yeah one of the things I just learned from Yuman yesterday and I was like oh we definitely got to talk about this on the podcast is that you're starting a new project and it's get happy dot today, which is awesome because sometimes, you know, people use websites like dot and it's something weird, like get happy dot today. So talk about that. Like what was the genesis of this idea and what does it mean to you to do something like this? Yeah, sure. So you can kind of tell that I've been, I guess, from just explaining that now, I've been on a bit of a self-discovery journey. Um, but Get happy. The idea for that started for me after I was made redundant from a job in Sydney. Um, and following that, I was kind of like, what do I want to do next? I want to open my mind and explore different opportunities. So I took a course um, that was about finding your purpose. And that really taught me a lot and opened my eyes. Um, but then I also read a lot of books and I did an online course and I did this podcast series and I just started soaking in all of these resources. Um, and I suddenly wanted to share what I had gained from that experience with friends and family. But there wasn't one thing I found that kind of summed it all up in the way that I wanted to. So I decided that I'd just do it myself. So I <laughs> love that a true entrepreneur. Well, no one's saying it exactly the way I want to say it, so I'll just do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I was off from work, and while looking for a job, I wrote the course content. So I wrote a seven-week course. Um, I kind of sat on it for a while, and then since we've been traveling, I decided I need to do. I need to share this with the world. So um, I, with the help of T, I've created a website and it's now available for people to jump on, sign up and get going. Nice. Yes. I love that. And T, so you mentioned, so Mon has her project going on, which is awesome and, and comes from self-discare for you. And you mentioned too, and, and you kind of like not glossed over, but it was just a little part that I wanted to pull out where you said, when we got back to Sydney, we knew we wanted to travel. So for most people that would just be like, all right, cool, head down one year, save, let's get out of here. 
But you also said, hey, we made another change. Like I decided to go vegan and that started opening up my eyes to, to like not just the impact that I'm having environmentally or, or on my own body, but actually like I don't want to be just working for a big corporation. Explain where that parallel is because some people go vegan and never think of how it would play into a bigger role or maybe let's call it like a legacy or a life's mission. Yeah, I think... Um like that happened so quickly. Like, um, it, it was, you know, talking to this great person in my, at my, um, in my office and she sat right across me. So we'd have these awesome conversations and then bring it home to Mon literally like one Saturday or like Friday. And was like, Hey, you know, Miller, I told me like, let's watch this. So we chucked it on on Saturday and we we're both like, Holy, let's, let's just try it. Let's just try it. Like, you know, in the next week we shopped on Sundays, the next week we just bought everything uh, like plant-based and it was awesome and it was easy. And I was like, oh, great. I feel better. I sleep better. This is all awesome. Like mm. it was such a quick, easy thing for us, I guess. And it fell into our place, like I guess really nicely. So from that, I was just like, cool, I feel better health-wise. That was all cool. Um, but then I went to work and I was kind of applying myself and I love what I do. Like I love technology. I love my actual job. So it's not that I'm unhappy in how I, you know, what I'm doing. It's just, if I love it so much, like why can't I do it for people that benefit greater than maybe the, the audience I was, I was working for at the moment. Um, so yeah, like traveling, we, you know, we, when we got stuck in Barbados, not, you can't say stuck in Barbados. <laughs> that's not fair. When we had to, uh, when we had to park ourselves in Barbados for four months, I went on a similar journey as Mon and, um, kind of did a lot of self-development, but on my technical skills, so I did a lot of AI and ML kind of training, a lot of product training. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, I stumbled onto this uh, foundation's TED Talk and there was just this charismatic guy uh, who just talked about anti-poaching in Southern Africa. And I was born in uh, South Africa. I grew up in Botswana. So I've got a you know a very soft spot for Africa and animals. And I've always felt my home is there more than anywhere else in the world. So it resonated and I went to donate and yeah, the, the website just wasn't an experience that was great. <laughs> and I signed up to the email and the email kind of, I was like, okay, I think I can help them a little here. So I literally just reached out um, on LinkedIn and harassed the MD and the founder and they picked up and I'm now five weeks into kind of helping them on a digital transformation across the whole spectrum of kind of redoing their website in two and a half weeks before and that geo film dropped about them, which is amazing. Um, everyone should check out Akashinga, the brave ones on YouTube. It's, it's free. Um, it's a 13 minute film. It's amazing. Executive produced by James Cameron and it's fantastic. And so they, they're kind of moments happening now, but their marketing and their technology isn't supporting them. So I'm kind of helping with my time for free and, and it helps me and it helps them. Yeah, and what's so awesome about that is, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you can answer this. Would you have done it had you been back in Sydney at your regular job? Like, do you think you would have taken the time to reach out and done all that work on top of what you were regularly doing? Or do you think you would have been too, like, burnt out on that type of work to say, I want to take on a project for free? It's a great question. I think Mon and I kind of talked about it. Like the, the one thing about this extended journey is so much is serendipitous. So much is 
like Slovenia is serendipitous in, in its own case, like just having so in a world that at the moment is, is you know, a lot of people are going through a lot of struggle is uh, in the States is a, you know, a lot of social injustice. So it, it's, it feels very heavy at the moment. And to be in Slovenia, where we look out the window, every house has flowers, it's green, people are bicycling, like life is just so nice for us in the moment. Um, I don't think so. I think I would have worked, I would have watched that TEDx talk. I would have gone to the website. Maybe I would have donated or not, but I would have got another call that evening or a meeting set up and I kind of would have had to get onto that. And then the world trip planning would have come in mm-hmm. and like, you know, life gets in the way of kind of other things. So I think the fact that I literally had finished Netflix and <laughs> had finished like a lot of books and I just had time and I was like, man, I really want to use this time for good. I don't know how long I'm going to be in Barbados and three months in, maybe I'll be here for another three months. Uh, let me see if I can, you know, use all that great internet. Let me see if I can spend time helping these guys while, while I'm here. And it's turned into a, you know, a bit bigger and a bit longer and we'll see where it, where it leads to. And I think that's what's so amazing about not, not just travel. I mean, travel is a conduit of this for, for us, but for some people, it might not be travel as much as entrepreneurship or something like that, where you're taking yourself out of the situation that you were in and all of a sudden opening yourself up to a ton of different avenues and things you would think about. And, and as you mentioned, like sometimes it just comes down to time like having more time. So, you know, yeah, I, we, we work a lot on the company that we have, but it's on our own time. Like we get to choose one. So if an opportunity comes up, I could say, hey, yeah, I do have a chunk of a week that I could help this person out or two weeks, right? You know, versus, well, I'm at my nine to five. I know I have to be here from nine to five or the boss just threw a huge product on me or whatever. And I think that's as important to me as the traveling aspect sometimes when it comes to building this lifestyle that we're all talking about this lifestyle has more freedom is not only do I get to travel, you know, post COVID, um, but I also get to like pick and choose what I do and when I do it. And so your mind is just in a different space. Oh, you see this thing and you think, well, I've got some time to help these people out. Maybe I will versus, oh, I'm kind of stuck in my own life. Boom, 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 boom. All, most of my time is accounted for already, you know, slotted in by someone else versus you deciding that it should be taken up, um, which is which is pretty cool that that, you know, came about. And you actually had to chase them down a little bit, right? Like to help out for free. It's like, well, you know, how many people are going to take that many steps to help out for free unless they have the time? Very few, right? Yeah, I think I was lucky that it, it resonated. He, the story of them resonated so much. Um, I support another charity for a long time called Charity Water and Scott Harrison of Charity Water has a similar story. Um, and, but you know, Charity Water is a huge entity and I reached out to help them and they were like, we're based in New York, come to New York. If you want to, you know, apply very formal, very, you know, they're a, a slick machine. Um, and so, yeah, I think if this organization was just bigger and had a full marketing team and was, uh, you know, just at a different stage in, in their cycle, um, this opportunity may have not occurred. So I think it is just, again, super fortunate, super lucky to have all synced up in a time that I'm free. You know, it's just, it literally is just time I would spend in the evenings watching Netflix or reading something or doing stuff that isn't as valuable, I guess. Maybe I would do some self-development stuff, but it is free time. You, you kind of realize when you travel, you got all day 
to do stuff, but you still have like a lot of time in the morning and a lot of time in the evening is downtime because you can't hike all day and you can't, you know, once you take a plane like for five hours or three hours or 14 hours, you're dead and you just want to sit down. There is lots of downtime that can be used. So. For sure. Luck. Yeah. Let, I want to go back to the budget and then get into the trip. Um, I know that's like, those are the two main things we started with, right? Here are the two main things we're going to hit on eventually. Um, but I think that this whole idea, the mindset that comes around is is equally as important as any type of logistics that we can talk about when it comes to here's how much we saved, here's how much we planned. Um, all that is important and, and I want to talk about, but the mindset of why we want to do it. And people listening, I think probably are in a similar mindset, but they might be at a point where they're like, well, how can I do it? And, and sometimes it is just saying, I'm going to sit down and make this a priority and, and work towards it like you guys did. So when you set your budget and you said you came back to Sydney and you said, all right, we got a year, a little bit more than a year for us to get to where we want to be. This is a nice little, then we have a nice little break point where we're going to take off on this trip. If you don't mind sharing, um, what was or what was that budget number or range and how did you come to that number? Like, was it super systematic? Like we want X amount of days at X amount spend and that's the number. Was it more of a gut? All right. We don't want to be in hostels. Like we're not doing the $20 a day thing. We know that. Um, You know, so if we're not doing that, what's the next step? So how did you guys come to that, that number? Yeah, so I kind of it's a bit of it was a bit of gut inside. So I kind of just felt after because we we had traveled so much, right? Like we're I think forty countries by the time we even started the trip, thirty or forty countries. So once you've done most continents, you have a feel. You know what Asia and Thailand is going to be. We've done one trip to Europe, so you, you have this gut. So we're like the number we're traveling on the budget we have at the moment is two hundred Australian a day together as a couple. Um, and I kind of, I think I said like 150 or something or 200, but it was, it was almost close mm-hmm. to this realm. I was like, and then the science came. So, um, we, we looked at like a common different places and it looked at like, yeah, you know, Thailand, Asia is going to be like 30, 40 bucks for something, not backpackery backpackers, like five to 10. So that mid range is 30 to 40. And then Europe was like 100 to 120 maybe yeah. a little bit more yeah. um, for Airbnb and Airbnb has been a big part of being able to make it affordable for us. Um, and then South America was on the lower end. So we're like, yeah, a com needs to be under a hundred. Like just that's the biggest expense uh, flight, you know, flights get aggregated across uh, the whole three years, but they're big spikes and then they don't happen very much. Cause once you're in a continent, you can kind of bust around. So um, the biggest expense out of the whole thing is, is a com takes a huge chunk. So we keep that as low as possible. And then the rest kind of works because we eat a lot. Uh, we cook our own food a lot. Um, and then the drivers for expense are really like entertainment. So it's how much you drink, uh, which we don't do a huge amount of. No, we don't drink much at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's and one then, thing we like. We If we don't drink, we save so, so much money. money. So that's, and to you, we were going to say we cook, at home a lot yeah. as well. So depending on where we are, if we're in South America, for instance, we ate out a lot there because it was so cheap and it didn't save too much if we're cooking and we were doing so much hiking, we're exhausted as well. So we ate out a lot. And then through Europe, we cook a lot. Um, we'll eat out here and there, especially if we find some great places we want to try for sure. We don't hold back, but um, I think 
cooking saves money and then we might just buy a bottle of wine that we'll drink at home but we we really drink at a restaurant or at a bar yeah. Yeah. So I think like you can't have everything in every country, every, there's a trade-off throughout it all. So like we just pick and we're more experiential kind of people. Like uh, we're going kayaking tomorrow on the Soka river. It's beautiful. So that's kind of, that's a bigger expense, but when you don't eat out as much, or you don't drink, you know, three times a week that saves up for that kind of experience. And um, you take buses instead of planes and you take a lower class and you just kind of find that middle ground that's not the bottom of the barrel and not the higher one and mm. it and it it's working out pretty well and lets us do crazy stuff like so even on this budget we've done Antarctica we went to Antarctica for 11 days you know like that's insane and it was an amazing experience that I'll never forget we spent three weeks in the Galapagos Islands so the budget allows for craziness it just doesn't allow for all of the best things all of the time, like eating out every meal, drinking, having a beer with every meal, going to every museum, going to every tourist attraction, uh, doing every concert when there was concerts on. <laughs> uh, like you just have to pick and choose. And we are a great balance of what we love, which is nature, experiences, cooking our own food or finding the hole in the walls. Um, and the budget works. It, it, 200 bucks Aussie so far for a year and a bit has worked really well. Wow. All right. So 200 Aussie, you're looking at about 150 US right now, which is, yeah, I mean, when you guys said that, and one of the reasons I was so keen to jump on uh, other than to catch up, um, but but actually to record it was the idea that I thought, I, I didn't know what, I had no idea what your guys' budget was, right? When we, I, That's why I asked. And so when you said like 200 Australian dollars, I thought, Oh, like that's higher than I that I thought it would be. But then I was intrigued because I thought that's what I would need. Not need. Don't that's the wrong word, but <laughs> that's what I would want to do a trip like that on, especially now, you know, with two kids and you know, needing an Airbnb and not just, you know, cramming into a hostel every night. And it, it really sparked my wheels turning. So I'm like 150 US a day. How much is that a year? Okay, you know, and I just started looking and thinking, yeah, that's that's higher than most people that that go on longer trips or or let's say that I'm used to interviewing or talking to or we're used to being around, right? Because we're talking about a couple of years ago, we'd probably have done something at $50 or 75 But it allows you, as you mentioned, because again, forgot you guys went to Antarctica. I think I just blocked some of it out of my mind. <laughs> I'm like, because I remember when I was talking to you guys when you're in the Bahamas, like, oh, how's life down there? You're like, you said something like, Wake up, eat a good, eat good food, walk on the beach, take a swim, come back, have an awesome lunch, swim some more, come back in the evening, watch Netflix. I remember thinking, and you said, how's your, like, how's your life up there? I said, not like that. Um, <laughs> and we were living in Pennsylvania at the time. Now it's a little more like that now that we were down here in North Carolina. But I just remember thinking like, all right, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Like, what more do you want? Um but yeah, I forgot you guys went to Antarctica, which obviously is, you know, you're not doing Antarctica on $200 a day or 150 US a day. That's, I don't know what you guys paid, 10, 10K a person or somewhere. It's five US a Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we got to, we always look for deals and to sure. great at finding a good deal. So that makes a huge difference, I think, as well to budget. So for Antarctica, we just showed up in Ushaiwa, which is um, right at the south of, it, of Argentina, where you book from, showed up in the town. We looked for last minute deals. We've been told that if you have time to spare, do that, you'll save money. Um, and we yeah. ended up, yeah, we ended up getting a great deal for it. Yeah. And it was the most phenomenal experience 
ever, <laughs> ever, ever. I was terrified of going to such a cold place and I got there and I was just blown away. It was I'm going amazing. Back. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah. And this was an article was pre-COVID, correct? Just, just. Like it was when we got on the ship and we were waiting for our group to join us and they were having concerns about returning. So we ended up on a Chinese charter. Um, this was in January, wasn't it? Or start of February. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think like they, at the end of the, the sale, they were worried about returning home because China was starting to lock down, but it was right at the beginning of COVID. Mm. So mm. yeah, our timing was pretty lucky there. Mm. Yeah. And you guys said what, about 5K a person ish yeah 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 okay. and that wasn't like um like a crazy exclusive deal like it, you can get if you turn up um yeah you can get anywhere Four and from a half or something yeah right? 40 to 50 percent off their rack rates by just being really flexible you could actually do it from where you are as long as you can get leave to travel and then get there quickly enough um and the airfare doesn't kind of ruin the the value but yeah there's always kind of spots available and you might if you're solo you might have to share with someone um or if you're three they have triple rooms which are kind of good so it's just yeah it's just like it's all luxury so i thought going to antarctica was on like a fishing boat and it's cold and it's like real rustic and you get this amazing experience but it's like real rustic like it's like you know big jackets all the time and like maybe a leaky boat it is all like premium like every boat is premium like we had turn it turn down service like oh, someone yeah. was like making our bed <laughs> before we went there you got buffet everything you've got seminars talking about penguins and whales, whales and you've got um tea and coffee all the time it was like i was like what <laughs> this is insane so yeah you get all of that and if you go last minute you get 50 percent off which is Awesome. Good. That is a great little hack. And and so even at 50% off, obviously you're looking at $500 a person a night-ish, you know, whatever, 400, 500, which is, is you know, for your guys' budget, four times what you would spend yeah. as a couple. But A, allows you to do it because you're not spending, you know, eight times as much as you would for a couple. Um, but also then when you go to South America. And I guess you had come off of your South America trip, yeah. right? Like that was the, you know, you had saved a decent amount of money knowing, Hey, if we're 200 at Aussie a night, 150 us a night, and we've gone through these countries and we're spending 75 a night, all of it, it's kind of cool. You're, you're just like cashing it up, like in this yeah. little bank, like, Oh, yeah. cool. Like we're making it to Antarctica. Like we're doing it, not just to save money. We're doing it for yeah. a purpose. Like it's going to pay off. Exactly. Is, and that's the whole the whole mental mentality of the trip. It's like, do we need, there'll, there'll be places we splash out in the comments. We're tired and we just want comfort and we'll get a $120 in that hotel room. But there'll be other places we'll find like a, you know, a couple of days ago, we found this like gym in the small town and it was 40 bucks a night, you know, and that just <laughs> saves, you know, you do that a couple of nights, you do that over like 10 days, you know, you get like a couple hundred bucks just saved in your little, let's go kayaking tomorrow mm-hmm. piggy bank or let's go paragliding piggy bank and yeah there's a few things in the world definitely galapagos and antarctica were two um the arctic will be another one um there's a couple of big bangers that are very expensive that the trip has to accommodate for but all in all it it works really well to kind of just focus on a com and then how you kind of spend your day doing stuff which is eating or you know at the moment we've got a rental car for three weeks and we found a great deal it only adds 35 bucks i think 
a day on top of the daily budget, which is really reasonable on top of a com being low and yeah, mm-hmm. the 200 really works. I love the Kiwi term. I don't know if it's Kiwi term, but you splash out on a comms every once in a while. I'm starting to use that. That's one of the best things about all of us living together in Japan. I started hearing so many things that I never knew. Bits and bobs or what do you guys, what do you guys call swimsuits? Togs? A swimsuit? Togs. Yeah. I mean, they're all coming back to me now. Uh, Maz always used to say that she was skin. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I use it all the time now. People in the US are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, we're a little skint. Meaning like, yeah, we don't have the money to do this or whatever. But uh, that was one of the most fun parts about living with people from different nationalities is we're all speaking English. And half the time you guys were talking, I'm like, uh, context clues. I think I understand what's going on, but uh, <laughs> splash out. That's a new one. Hey, yeah, we're going to splash out on dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> she'll love that. She's going to eat that up. Awesome. I learned something new today. Um, all right. So, so you had this big spreadsheet and you guys have your budget and all that. And you're kind of making your way through it at, just pretty systematically because I remember seeing the spreadsheet and asking you guys like, well, how, how close are you going to stick this? And you're both kind of like, yeah, pretty like we want to do all these things. So yeah, we're going to build in some flexibility, but we've thought a lot about this and, we, and, and you had given yourself, even when I went through a spreadsheet, like there was like flexibility building. It wasn't like day one, Slovenia, day two, hungry, you know? And, and so I remember you were both saying like, well, yeah, we're kind of, kind of like on this track. Like this is going to be pretty close to how we follow this until you get back from Antarctica and now all of a sudden the world starts shutting down in a way that none of us have ever experienced. Like what happened then? What talk us through like those, you know, for the U S it was kind of mid March is when it hit. Cause I was in LA and I remember got there on a Monday and we were kind of laughing, not laughing, not COVID, but like, Oh yeah. Do you think it's a big deal? And then it was Friday. I had to go home and I almost couldn't get back and it would happen that quick. You were up a little sooner, like three weeks before, but what was it like for you all during that kind of February through March window of figuring it out? Did you think you might go home? Did you want to go home and couldn't? What what happened in your brains and what were the discussions that went on between you two? So we left South America and we went to Europe. So that was that was our plan was to start traveling through Europe. So we started in Portugal um, and we spent three to four weeks there. And to start with, it was it was actually like the very start of their tourist season. So it was quiet anyway, um, as anticipated. But after two weeks or even a week there, like early March, we noticed people started wearing masks a lot. By mid-March, anyone who was outside was wearing masks. A lot of people had gloves on as well. Um, we got to Porto right at the end of our Portugal tour, and it was just eerily quiet. There was no one around. Um, and so that's when we kind of knew, like, stuff was closing down there. We could see it happening throughout Europe, and we just anticipated that it was going to happen across the world. So we actually had plans to go and stay with T's brother and his family for a while and kind of camp with go visit them and maybe stay a few weeks there. In Edinburgh. In Edinburgh, yeah. Um, And the night before our flight, we heard from them that um, T's sister-in-law would have to self-isolate for like six weeks. So she's like, I'm sorry, we can't see you guys while you're here. Do you still want to come? And we're like, well, that doesn't make much sense to fly to Edinburgh. Edinburgh in March without getting to see family. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) 
So then we were like, well, what are our options? And T threw Barbados out there and I was a bit like, you're kind of crazy. Like we've just come from that side of the world. It's so far to travel. Um, <laughs> Why Barbados, T? <laughs> um, so I just, I was like, someone kind of alluded to it as like, well, Europe's really going to lock down. And like, yeah. we were kind of seeing the news, like it was coming out pretty hard. Everyone's like really worried. And so my just thought was like, well, we could go to the Mediterranean, but, you know, Greece and those islands are kind of more expensive, but like also uh, we just don't know what Europe's going to kind of do. Um, so we kind of just looked at the Caribbean because we actually had one path that was taking us through the Caribbean after um, South America and not Europe. And we decided Europe because we just wanted culture and gelato and like wine just something a bit different like architecture yeah we can't we weren't ready for beach time yeah um so we had already researched everything we knew the islands we kind of wanted to see and do and so all of that was in the plan uh whereas the mediterranean kind of wasn't and so i just looked for flights and it was a it was a really easy virgin atlantic flight um and it looked really affordable it was a small population and we just were like what's a good tourist hub because then they'll have good hospitals, they'll have good infrastructure um, in case anything does go wrong with us. Um, and I think a bit of luck, it was just if we had chose a different island, actually all of the islands in the Caribbean did really well mm-hmm. in hindsight. So mm-hmm. I don't think it mattered if we went to Aruba versus St. Lucia, but Barbados is a major hub from London. So it was a really cheap, well, it was an affordable flight compared to everywhere else. So yeah, it was just like, let's go back to the, well, let's go to the Caribbean because it was on our plan. And we kind of hop around islands there. And that's a good use of a couple months in case this lasts for a long time. Yeah. And we also went through, like we went on to the website that lists all the countries and the number of cases. And we kind of looked at Europe. We figured like it's going to spread through Europe because it's just going to cross borders. We looked at Barbados and their cases were super, super low. Like we looked at, we just sorted the list by the countries with the lowest number of cases. Sort descending or sort ascending, whichever one gives you the the zero at the top. You're like, yep, pick that one. And, And of course, New Zealand was doing really well as well. So there was a discussion we had about going back home, but we were like, it's going into winter. We don't <laughs> want to go home during winter. We would have had to self-isolate. So we're like, there goes two weeks. Why not go spend this time somewhere where we can be, we know we can be happy. Barbados, we can go, we can hang out on a beach. We can just enjoy swimming every day mm. and we can we can find happiness in that. Whereas New Zealand we didn't see so much joy in in (laughs) In winter winter. considering we don't like the cold. So yeah. yeah. And so you, you, you hit Barbados up and obviously you didn't know how long you were going to be there, but it ended up being four months, right? Or three or four months. months. And what, okay. So tell, what was it like there for four months? Was it as good as you kind of, and I know both of you are very positive people. You all know that already by listening, but looking, trying to look back and say, all right, we went here for this reason that if we got stuck here for a couple months, it wasn't going to be bad because we've got the ocean. We've got nice weather. It's chill. It's cheap enough. Did it end up being that for those four months? Yeah, I think it was that more like, especially when we compared it to our options. So, um, just we were super fortunate that the place we happened to choose the airbnb we happened to choose was right on a beach that was 
kind of hidden from the road and there was only one entrance to the beach. So it was almost like a private-ish beach. There's no private beaches in Barbados, but this one was very, very quiet um, and it wasn't monitored. So Barbados closed down all their public beaches. Then they reopened them with curfews in place and yada, yada, yada. That went on for like a month, um, at least a month. But the beach that we were at, there was no one there and our Airbnb hosts were like, it's fine, you guys can go out, go for a swim, um, just stay close by. So we were super lucky that we were able to do that each day and that kept us sane because the other thing Barbados did was put a 24-hour lockdown in place. So while other people on the island weren't leaving their homes except to go to the pharmacy for like seven days or 10 days, we were popping down to the beach, like right on our back doorstep each day and just going for a swim. So at least we're getting exercise and getting sun at us and mm. it kept us healthy and happy. I like how you, you didn't tell them about the Coast Guard honking at us out <laughs> or, or the time we went to the beach and there was no one on it. And the policeman said, why are these two tourists swimming <laughs> At the beach during lockdown. That's nice to avoid those two nuggets. Well, the, the police situation was my fault because they reopened the beaches. So we went to this very public beach, but I didn't realize that they'd put a curfew in place. So yeah, the beach was open, but only between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Come on, I'm not I'm not getting to the beach by that time in the morning when I'm on island time. But yeah, it was, mate. It's like they had six dogs that were fun to hang out with. The hosts were amazing. Yeah. There's always little things that aren't perfect. Like it was yeah. a very small MB. We had a small tiny kitchen, kitchen, tiny kitchen, uh, no AC. Um, and those things made some days a little bit harder. But overall, man, it was wonderful. Like we just had time to think, to chill. We met some cool people. Um, we met this this lady from New York who's become a great friend of ours now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then we just had this, like, exclusive beach kind of thing that we could swim at that had turtles in it every day, like <laughs> massive turtles, ate breakfast, looking up at the ocean each morning. So, yeah, it, it worked out. Yeah, like, not we are positive, but, it, yeah, it was definitely Great. <laughs> it was a great decision. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. If you guys aren't convinced that they're pretty laid back, I love that you just threw in the whole, yeah, there's like no AC, right? Which like, <laughs> again, I know on the islands, like you don't always need it, but for most people that would be a, a, a game changer. Like, oh, this is, this is not going to work. But you know, you're saying like, this is not a big deal because we'll go dip in the ocean. Uh, just, uh-huh. just watch out for the coast guard. Right. But we'll go dip in the ocean. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you have this time in Barbados, which is when I, I started following your guys' journey a little more, I, I think, because I, I remember just seeing these pictures and be like, wait, where are it? Like, <laughs> I know they're in Africa and I thought they're in Europe, but now, and that's where we first started talking again. Um, so you do Barbados and then is, then did you hop over to London? Was that the next little bit? And so what made you... So let's talk about, because this kind of almost brings us up to present day and decision-making now and when we're recording this and it'll come out pretty pretty quickly because, uh, you know, the COVID stuff is fairly time sensitive. So we're recording in September 2020, right? And so, you know, we're in this world where, okay, things are open up kind of like to certain nationalities, they're more open up than others, opened up than others. Um, so what made you decide that you were comfortable leaving Barbados and then... Let's start with that. And then we'll talk kind of about what do you think the future holds? Like what is your travel going to look like and how are you deciding where to go? 
Yeah, I think so. We had two choices again. We had let's go explore more of the Caribbean, um, and again, uh, being a little bit, I don't know what the word is, but um, we were like, we've had so much beach. Do we really want more beach? We were beached out. <laughs> we were beached out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> four months. Listen, I'm with you. All of us, because we spent a lot of time in Japan. Here, we know that all of us prioritize the beach over anything else, right? Yeah. When it when it comes to like where we want to be in traveling, four months. <laughs> long, long, long time. Like it's awesome, but there comes a point where you're just like, "Yep, <laughs> like to see other people, buildings maybe here and there." You know. Um, all right, so I get it. You're beached out a little bit, and you're just like, it would just be more of the same. Like it would be cool because it's different countries, different islands, yeah. but very similar circumstances. Yeah, and that was it. The way we looked at like Martinique and like these awesome places, and we're like, I still want to go and see all of those, but we're like, you know, it's it's still sand and it's still crystal clear water, which is really <laughs> bad to say, but beached out. So yeah, we did the research, and we're kind of like, I think there's some spots in Europe we can go, and it's so different to beach, mm-hmm. and that's what the world trip really. I think how we can do so long is is you need to find consistent points of difference i think like we spent a good six to six and a bit months in in south america um but like peru is kind of like slovenia has like mountains and lakes and then deserts and so many different things and then as you go through the country it's very different but as a whole at the end of that we were kind of like south america out we're like okay we kind of need something different and yeah like that's why like going to the caribbean or doing europe but not doing europe for like you know, two years, like you have to kind of change it up to really make sure you're enjoying it because it does become, I guess, same Z after a while. Um, so we're like, cool, Europe is what we wanted for ages and it was on the plan. Norway looks like a spot that we could get to. <laughs> we did some research. Super low cases, <laughs> only like 200 cases of COVID there, lots of nature. So we mm-hmm. figured we don't need to be in public place, you know, in populated places, I mm-hmm. should say. We can go and hike in nature and have that change, but also enjoy the solitude of that and feel safe doing that. Um, yeah. And doing research from Barbados, um, I, I guess the information that we got was that as New Zealanders, you can enter Norway. Um, and so we went off that information. Mm-hmm. We showed up, uh, we talked mm-hmm. to them about it. We're like, this website says that as New Zealanders, we can enter Norway. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you can, but not for travel. We're like, where does it say <laughs> you can't come for travel? They're like, no, you can only come for special circumstances. If you're here to see family or friends or whatever, yeah. like what's Study. New Zealander <laughs> travels all the way from New Zealand. <laughs> no anyway. <laughs> we got turned back in Norway, um, got to London, and it turned out to be so much easier to research the COVID situation because the UK has all the countries in the EU within one website, so you can see what the travel restrictions are for each, and they provide several government websites for each country. We could get the embassy phone numbers. So once we turned back from Norway, we did so much research on each of our options in terms of number of cases. We emailed places, we called them, we read their websites. We're like, okay, we're 99% sure we can get to this country. <laughs> Let's give it a go. And we I, I want to know real quick before we go, what's it like to be turned away from a country? Because now I know, because <laughs> you guys have been, if you remember, oh, you guys weren't with us, but we were in Spain with our other friend from, 
from Japan, Crystal, when she went on off on a, I'm just going to go to Brazil. And Bobby and I dropped her off at the airport. She went to Brazil and we got a call like a day later. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I needed a visa for Brazil. She landed <laughs> and they were like, no, you can't go in. Like her friend was Dutch. So I guess I think that she could go without a visa and Crystal's Canadian and she got <laughs> turned away and they basically were like, get on the next plane and go somewhere else. Um, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Like I drove her to the airport. Either of us could have been like, do you have your visa, Crystal? We, you know, <laughs> love Crystal, but we all know Crystal. Like maybe Bobby and I should have been smart enough to think about we did. <laughs> and so I've always felt a little guilty of, of her getting turned away. <laughs> but now I've got a, more friends from Japan who were turned away. So like what I just, I've heard her side of what it's like. And it's, you know, she's not as mellow as you two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what, okay, so you get there and they're just like, hey, you can't come in. Obviously, you tried a little bit like what? Yeah, I just want to know what you were thinking and, and was it anger? Was there panic? Or was it just like, hey, there's a really cheap flight. We'll go back to London. What happened in that instance? Yeah, so, um, you know, you, you have the, the, the dude in the box and he's like, um, you know, my my supervisor is going to come over and chat to you guys. But first he asked us, like, what our nationality was, what our reason for travel was. Yeah. Are we actually residents of the UK? I think he was trying to figure out, like, how can he let us in? But ah. then he like, mm, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think you guys can come in. Just hold on a minute and picked up the phone yeah. to call his supervisor. And he had a piece of paper with all the kind of countries allowed in and not allowed in. So he looked at it's that. It's like a so matrix. Right, he's yeah. like over this line down here. Yeah. Where yes or no? Up, oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And so we're kind of in suspense, and you know, the, the moment there is kind of like this not is not great. Um, yeah, and then this lady comes over. Um, she's police, so she's got you know she's got a gun and stuff. But she's like, it's not a manager kind of person. So you, mm. you kind of now your your I guess attention level is a little higher. Mm. Takes us around the corner into this seating area. Um, and then, yeah, just takes us through the process. Like she's kind of in between, between someone on the other side of a door telling her what she needs to tell us. She gives us a piece of paper that says, here's, you know, the information that we adhere to, which says you can't um, come in and leaves us for a couple of minutes to read it. Comes back, is like, have you read it? And we're like, yep, that makes sense. You know, your other websites, your national health website doesn't have this on it, but, I, you know, you can't argue it so you're just like yeah mm. cool and then she's like okay um so yeah you, you need to go back to where you came from i think is the next step and, and so, that was extremely disappointing mm-hmm. like that was pretty heartbreaking because i felt pretty awful because i did the research for norway i looked at the health website mm-hmm. and i was like all right i think we can go to norway mm-hmm. tea so she and she showed us another website that said so it was in Norwegian, then she changes the language to English, and then she shows us where you can find the information that says you can't enter for tourism. And, yeah, that was that was a difficult moment for me. I was like, oh, no, I've messed up so bad because the flights there aren't cheap. Um, right. Then the flights out to London as well are not cheap. So mm. she got us to book a flight um, the next day, direct flight. Well, she didn't tell us that at first. So we, we get on and we just book the cheapest flight, which is, I don't know, has one stopover before it gets to London. And she comes out and she's like, no, you can't take this flight. You have to go direct to London. So it was a bit of a tense situation, a tense situation in the end because she, like, 
we were coping with not a pleasant situation ourselves and then she wasn't super clear on her expectations with us so there was a little bit of tension yeah and she wasn't she was police right so she wasn't accommodating to tourists or people um wasn't kind of listening was on high alert herself i think and so there was tension there um and i guess there was no way to just say like i'm visiting like backtrack on (laughs) on your previous comment like oh no i have friends here and just because i mean that's that's what always frustrates me about bureaucracy, right? We don't have to get this. But had you said, I'm visiting friends and their names are boom and boom, like they're not going to call those people up probably, right? And so I, you just want to be like, just let us in. We, we understand you can't let everyone, but cool, we're going to go visit Lars in, in uh, Mal, Malmo, Sweden, in, in Oslo, right? Okay, like just let me in, like turn the other, you know, turn the other cheek, like just, yeah, yeah. But, I think it was for someone who specifically, like you're seeing someone close who had COVID. And oh, okay. All right. So, okay. So, yeah, there was no, no way kind of faking. Like, I just wouldn't have wanted to risk anything um, at yeah. the water. Because yeah, then hard. you get in and you're like, uh-oh, what happens if someone finds out? Yeah, you're looking over your Yeah, phone. yeah. But to your point, Trev, what's silly is what happened afterwards. So, you know, <laughs> like we go through this. It's all very, you know, you're like, cool, they're protecting their country. And then she's like, okay, well, you need to book a hotel and because our flight's the next day, um, you know, and she's like, we're not going to follow you. We expect you to come back tomorrow morning, check in with police and leave. And then we just make our way to the nearest hotel, but we could have gone to downtown Oslo, like anything, right? And we could have had COVID and done exactly what they're trying to protect, but they that bureaucracy doesn't go to a point where it's actually useful to the country. Cause we just went to a hotel. There's all these tourists in a hotel that are staying there and going in and out and take does, a bus there. And we take a bus there. And so everyone's <laughs> close quarters. And so it was kind of like, okay, well now this doesn't make too much more sense. It, like you should probably, you know, find certain hotels to put people to say, this is your hotel and they have good practices. Like they only book every other room and, you know, all the common sense stuff that you kind of think about, but that's where it broke down. And I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys take it a little more in stride than Heather and I, I would, I'd be fuming. I'd be like, now we're in this hotel. We're able to eat a continental breakfast next to this person. I'm just going to walk out in the middle of odds and they're never going to find me. Right. Or something like that. Um, because essentially that's not what she was saying, but kind of being like, we're not going to follow you. Like you, you know, we expect you to come back. Again, do you want to take the risk, the 1% risk that they do decide to follow up and then you get arrested? No, it's not worth it. And that's probably what they know, right? Like, all right, these, these, these not these kids, because we're not kids, but these younger people, they're not here. They don't have big responsibilities here. They would be pretty stupid hmm. to risk it on the off chance we would follow up because they could just leave and they had the means to do it. And, you know, they were just here visiting for tourist reasons, not the end of the world for them. Um, so then you head back to London and Slovenia comes up on a map and now you've been in, you know, up on your minds, you've been in Slovenia. So are you, cause, cause yeah, I'm trying just to think of, that, how, just yeah. on that, so entry to Slovenia was no sweet ride either. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. I, for, for me, Slovenia is like all rainbows and unicorns and gelato. So I just <laughs> yeah. imagine they'd be like, you guys are here. Here's some Vigo gelato. Eat this. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you get off the back of being denied, so we come into the airport just as we did to Norway. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you do this, but if, 
even as much as you travel, when we pick immigration officers, we kind of try to look for the happiest, friendliest the friendly one. Sure, do that? definitely. Oh, 100%. Because, I, yeah, you just want someone to smile at you and not ask yeah. too many questions. Yeah. Maybe happy, a little jovial, maybe a little naive or new, right? Yeah. Or new can come back to bite you, though, too, because then they might be yeah. a rule follower. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah, likewise. Definitely. Yeah. We so, found the one that was joking with yeah. tourists. Both T and I looked at each other and we're like, let's go with him. So we switched lanes. We're like, we saw the grumpy guy and we're like, nah, we switched lanes. And there's no machines because we always go for machines whenever there's machines because they always let you through. Um, but yeah, they, they we had a moment there. They were like, they had the matrix. He was like, I need to call my supervisor. They didn't know. They, they were like, can you show us you stayed in, in London and Mon brings out all these screenshots on her phone and is going through like, here's well, our London accommodation. And they were like, you know, New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand. And, we're like, and I was like, I called the embassy. Yeah. I spoke to someone at the embassy and they're like, what did they say? <laughs> and I said, well, they told us that as long as we stayed in London for two weeks, 14 days, then we could enter Slovenia so long as we showed proof that we'd spent the last 14 days in London. So like T said, <laughs> I'm showing him our accommodation and it's like the London Heathrow Travel Lodge. And he's like, where is this? And I'm like, London Heathrow. And he's like, it, uh, maybe it doesn't say London, but he's confused. So I, then I type in, I'm like, doesn't everyone know where Heathrow Airport is, isn't it? Like, right. Especially if you're working, you would think someone who works in an airport immigration would at least know, right? Like a lot of people are going to be coming from Heathrow. Yeah. So I put it in Google Maps. I'm like, this is the London Heathrow <laughs> Hotel. It's in it's in the UK. You know, we, we're, we're good there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they're pretty good about it. Like the supervisor's pretty chill. Massive, so like, lucky. Slovenian dude. And I'm like, okay, be, in, be a big, nice teddy cut there because, like, <laughs> I don't want, like, the, the angry one. And, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it was kind of like, then they were like, yep, you know, go They're through. Just, yeah, they didn't. They didn't say something that was super clear. So yeah. we kind of looked at each other and we're like, can we go? And they were like, yeah, you can go. And we we're like, thank God they were so chill. Like they, they don't really know what they're doing, but we're yeah. And we get our eggs in. and we're like, let's go. Let's get out of here. Like you guys don't know what happened over the last two weeks. And we're not going to tell you why we were in London, that we got turned yeah. down for another country. But please be a little more explicit in like saying, yes, I'm allowed to enter your country, right? Um <laughs> All right, so you're <laughs> so you're in Slovenia. Now, now it is. It's, I mean, now I understand too why Slovenia has been paradise for you. I mean, not only is it awesome, but it's yeah, it's almost like you took us in. Like this is a safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you wanted us, right? You wanted us. What then next? Like because, like you mentioned, I I, I would be a little. I would be a little gun shy, trying to know where to go next because. Again, you could always get somewhere. A, it could change, but B, you could be reading something, you know, especially if it's different languages. Oh, I'm reading this version of this website, but there's this, as you guys found, loophole or, or kind of thing that said that you didn't read where it said, like, oh, not travelers um, can come in. So are you a bit nervous? Like, all right, I don't want to have to deal with this a lot. You know, like, am I going to get turned away again? Yeah, we're going to yeah. just try avoid, well, we really want to try and do land border crossings um, because flying is just so expensive, especially if you then have to immediately book back to where you came from. So our hope is that we can do a land border crossing. Um, and as of my research a few days ago, we can cross through Austria as long as we prove that we're not 
that we've got an onward journey straight out of the country and go to Slovakia. So that also low cases and would let us in from Slovenia or slash Austria. So that's like the one option that I've seen that we have next. Um, Hungary was a potential until like two days ago. They're now, they're the first country in the Schengen apparently to reclose their borders and to put lockdown like full lockdown back in place. So yeah, things can change in an instant, like in a day. So whatever we plan next, we'll plan it the day before or, you know, really last minute. So we'll have an idea leading up to it, leading up to us leaving here where we want to go, but we won't lock anything in until pretty last minute. Yeah. I think it's become very last minute travelers before we had this North star spreadsheet that kind of mm-hmm. knew we were guiding our way this way. And now it's far more spontaneous and it's like, um, cool. Like, you know, we'll get to, you know, the car rental finishes on Wednesday and we'll get back to Ljubljana and have our Vigo gelato and <laughs> kind of look at and see where country nearby we can get into it. Yeah. We're definitely gun shy on planes. Um, but I'm not too gun shy on like getting to a country as long as, you know, cases are reasonable. But yeah, yeah. it and is. You guys, strange. you make a good point. I actually, I don't know why I was thinking flying for everything, especially being in Europe, but, you know, getting on a train, like, all right, worst case scenario, you get on the train and, you know, you have to stop at that border. Or what? Ha- it's just a lot easier and mm. a lot less like tumultuous if you're on a train and they're like, you can't enter here okay, get off the train. Or I say that having, having this never happened to me, maybe it would suck, but you know, it seems a little more like, all right, cool. We'll just go back or we'll go to this place or this place, especially in Europe because you could train basically anywhere. Um, and Slovakia, another good choice, uh, another country I love. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's cool that you, that you get to hit kind of these, again, places that, maybe would either you would not go to or would be just like you said, one line. All right, Lake Bled, Slovenia, cool. Slovakia honestly might not even be on there because there isn't as much of a iconic thing there um, like Lake Bled is. But now you're saying, oh, what's going to let us in? You know, what's what hits these things? Little COVID numbers, nature, but still infrastructure um, and things like that, which is which is pretty neat. Um, so you have Slovakia. You mentioned the North Star. I love that. The North Star. Did you call it the North Star the whole time you were planning? No. <laughs> no. Because now, yeah. All right, pull up the North Star. You like pull up the document. <laughs> um, all right. So you had that. What? Because it has been thrown into into crazy um, chaos, right? What are the big kind of pillar things? Because I even remember talking to you guys about this when you started this spreadsheet. When I first saw it, I was like, well, we're definitely doing it. Like, here, we're kind of putting these flag posts. And I think most people, most people, and I know I would do this if I had a huge long trip. All right, what are the things we definitely want to see? Antarctica, Galapagos, boom. And then, you know, kind of build off of that and then see where you want to go. What are the the big things left from that document that you guys are hoping that you're going to be able to do? Um, so that's a tough. Like, I think we have the time that COVID isn't going to disrupt the whole the rest of the, we have two years left, right? Two years and three months. So, um, you know, all things going well, vaccine in like six months, who knows? But like, I think we're talking about still having a good year and a half, at least of full freedom. So you can kind of knock off everything in a year, I guess, of like, you know, Egypt's a big one for me. Um, 
the Arctic's a big one. Greenland's a big one. Um, safari. Safari. The whole African safari part that we want to do is is massive. And so I don't think we're going to not have to make a choice in, of that stuff. It's more of um, like we wanted to go back to Thailand and we wanted to go back to a couple other spots and we might just not do those. We might go to Thailand for like, you know, three or four days and get our green carry pad Thai <laughs> fix instead of like three weeks. Um, and I think, yeah, because we spent four weeks in Slovenia, it's just going to take away from, we had a bunch of countries that we wanted to go back to because we just loved it. But I think we're okay to just be like, we don't need to have that in the trip because we'll get back on track in sometime soon. So, um, yeah. What, you what know, are the maybe, things, what are the things that you think, won't make the like if you had to start cutting stuff out would it be like parts of asia since a Mm. you're you know you're from new zealand live in australia or lived in australia spent time in jet would it be like all right we can kind of shave this region off and maybe uh save it for a later date yeah exactly yeah i think it's asia and caribbean those are the two major areas that we just carve and we'd keep europe africa um as the as the bigger ones and Japan like we want to head back to Japan like that's <laughs> that's probably just has to happen and I want to do the Trans-Siberian from you know China all the way back into Europe so that piece I think has to stay um and I, th- I think we'll, that'll that'll happen I don't, I don't see any risk on that but yeah Asia as much as we love the food and the culture uh you know, we're still young. We got time to get back there and, and do it again. And we could do four weeks, three weeks, one week, kind of get our fix. What do you later. guys envision then? And maybe you don't envision anything. I don't know. After the trip, because you, because you said we have two years and three months, which is super specific. And I, I, a, where does that number come from? Want to hear <laughs> why that? Because you know, you're like we have two years and three months. I remember being like. Why did he just say to you? Like, what is, what is in three months? I'm, I'm like, it's a nice little push. But then what, yeah, what do you think? Or, or what do you kind of imagine? Or what do you want to come out of this? Like, is it a, do you think it'll be a return to normal life? Or you say, do you think it would be like, well, Sydney, you know, we love it. So we're going to go back now that we've had our fix or, or do you not know? Well, part of the trip was, going to so many different cities and so many different places and finding out if there is somewhere that we would love to move to. So Austin, for instance, took us by surprise. We never thought that we would love living there so much. Um, And we loved Sydney too, but Austin had this unique vibe about it, this awesome, very open, friendly culture, really like lots of live music, was just super easygoing. And really laid back. So we loved that and we were hoping on this trip we might find somewhere similar. Um, And if not, to be fair, it quite likely could end up being Australia again. It could be Sydney if we don't find it because it's it's just such a beautiful city Mm -hmm. to live in. Um, But part of it, like for me, part of this trip too is finding out what it is that I really love what I'm really passionate about and what I want to do at the end of it. Because to your question, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do at the end. Like I've done marketing to this point, um, but I'm not sure if that's something I want to continue with. Like I'm really interested in health and well-being. Um, and now that I've done Get Happy, like that's something that I'm passionate about as well is um, I guess helping people find what it is that, 
what their path is and finding helping people find their purpose, what fulfills them. And that's what the course is all about. Um, so yeah, I hope that through this journey, I'll, I'll figure out what I love doing and maybe have an idea of what I want to do at the end of it. But at this point, I'm not work-wise anyway. I don't know what that's going to look like at the end. I think maybe T, you have quite a different a different idea. Yeah, I think I'm lucky I've found my passion and I find mm. I've, I, I can easily apply my passion um, to a lot of different industries. So I think, yeah, at the end, I'm definitely going to have a crack at doing my own thing, um, being my own boss, going down the entrepreneurial road and and doing it hopefully that leads good somewhere like giving you know helping the world um but where it is how it's done uh maybe i meet someone that says you know come live in hong kong and uh do this crazy thing for a year and we you know stumble onto some other opportunity that might happen and just take us on a whole new course so yeah it's it's all it's all up in in the air to kind of just fall into place or we'll figure it out at the end <laughs> have you found a place? I know you haven't seen as many places as as you as you would have had COVID not hit four months in Barbados, you know, <laughs> extended time in Slovenia. But have you have you a found a place that that is a potential? Hey, we could live here, and if so, obviously, what is it? You know, we don't want to leave a saying. But or B, like, do you have? Because I know I do this in my head you know, on paper, what kind of fits into what I want? Like you said, all right, we know we like this about Austin and you list off characteristics. Hey, here are some things that people have told me, you know, maybe some things that are similar to this. So yeah, have you found a place yet that, that maybe you didn't think about? Or is the, are there places that you're saying, well, we're going to visit here to kind of specifically try it on for size? Yeah, so there are a few that were mm -hmm. top of the list. For me, I was really excited to go to Canada because it's beautiful and the summers there are amazing, the hiking, the people as well. Um, so we went to Canada and I was like, this is awesome, but there is no way I could live here in winter. <laughs> yeah, so, I just say, you don't like the, come on, you don't like the cold. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's nowhere in Canada that you're escaping that, not even like Vancouver, which is going to be as mild as it gets, or as we all were hung out in Vancouver Island, Vancouver Island, the Hawaii of Canada. I'm like, <laughs> oh boy, this is as mild as it gets, you know? We loved Vancouver Island, but yeah, we decided no because of winter. Um, the other that was top of the list was Portugal, and we were both really excited to explore Portugal. Um, and we loved it, but city-wise, we just didn't, we didn't feel like it was anywhere there was our city. Like yeah, Lisbon and Porto, we were just like, it's just not us. It's not where we can see ourselves living and where we can see ourselves setting roots down, mm. um, working. Yeah. So yeah, they were I, our two thoughts. They were the two. I think um, Tel Aviv intrigues me. Um, I've heard a lot of good things and it's got beach and it's warm and it's got culture. I, I would love to be in Europe because I think there's so much you can do from this part of the world as opposed to Australia or the US, Central America kind of areas. Um, so that would be nice. But yeah, I think Tel Aviv was a, is an interesting one to come. But I think there's just so many little ones in Europe that we wanted to explore that we won't have the opportunity this year, but maybe next year we'll get back to it, um, that we can find that Austin gem in this part of the world. And I'm hoping there are ones that are just obscure, uh, kind of like what I'm thinking of Tel Aviv, like that might just be like, oh, wow, I never knew this had a tech hub and had a vibrant young kind of space to it and there's lots of nature or there's beach or it's warm or there's food or there's culture. Like those are the kind of things that were 
that would make us really happy. Music. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it is when you hit all those, when you find that, let me know, right? When you <laughs> find that, let me know and we'll all buy a little, little compound there and get to recreate the Japan experience. I, I think having been to Tel Aviv only for a couple of days, you, you're right in that, that when I was in Tel Aviv, I remember sitting there saying, the only other city that I can think of that's a big city that's on the beach like this is Sydney, but it's not even, you know, you guys lived in Bondi, so so we were at the beach hanging with you, but it's not, it's the only comparable thing. Tel Aviv is actually even more, more on the beach. It's just like, here's the city and here's the beach and you're right there. And I just remember thinking, if I could find this, but Tel Aviv pretty expensive, you know, if I could find something like this, this is what I'm looking for because you do have that vibrancy and that and the culture obviously there, there's immense amounts of culture and you can be in Jerusalem in an hour and a half and have you know more culture than anywhere in the world basically um but i remember thinking is there something yeah like is there somewhere no one else knows like where can we all go right um obviously barcelona's got a bit of that not that that's a hidden gem but a, a similar type feel and i've always thought not having only spent 10 days here, but that might be another option of somewhere that has it a milder climate, young people, culture, beach, what have you. But yeah, I think like, don't get us wrong. I think like we could be super happy in uh, Porto, Lisbon, Barcelona. Um, there are so many European countries I think we could do for five years, three years, kind of and like really, really enjoy it. I think, what's unfortunate is we just have this feeling that we had in Austin and we're trying to get all of the things again, which is so hard because, you know, Austin gave us food and gave us music and gave us, it was so affordable and easy access to so many parts of that region, not even just America, but to the Caribbean and South America and Central America. Um, So that's the level that we're putting everything on, which is kind of a very high level to match. Um, Whereas a little bit lower is probably Barcelona is probably like, and and we would be super, super happy. And I think we're going for perfection and (laughs) and we might hit it. We might not, but at least we'll know. We'll kind of be like, well, we didn't find the one, but here are eight others that are really, really close. And And I think the beautiful thing about that, kind of like how you guys end up in Slovenia thinking be okay. Like, Hey, this, they'll let us in. This is okay. Oh my gosh. We love it so much more is, that, you know, when you spend time, because I was looking for the exact same thing, but even trying to keep it in the confines of the US, because I know if my brain went international, Heather would kill me, right? Um, <laughs> but I was like, all right, in the US, can we find, yeah, that that quote unquote perfect thing of what we want? And, you know, is this area in North Carolina perfect? No, but what I found, even just being here for the last month, is that it, it you kind of grow into perfect, if that makes sense. It, you know, yeah. on the outside, you're like, yeah, I wish it had this and this. I wish I had a bigger city. And But then ultimately when I'm here, I'm like, but it has this, this, and this that I didn't even think about because I hadn't lived here long enough to, to figure it out. And yeah. I also am not missing this, this, and this. Or if I am, eh, it's weighed out by the fact that, you know, I, I can just go walk on the beach every day. So I think that's a cool thing. And that's why one of the things I love hearing from you guys about like, hey, we we probably want to try to do three years or we want to do our own things and I want to freelance this to you, Mon, you've got your project, is that you can like you can do that. Like now all of a sudden you can say, let's go here, let's let's get a place in Barcelona for six months because we think it's pretty good and maybe it'll end up being better than we think. Maybe it'll just be pretty good and we'll move on. But you're not 
committing to any crazy big thing of let's buy a house and now we have to be here. It's it's an awesome lifestyle to be able to have to say we might have the ability to just bump around and find perfect that way too. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think that's actually probably the the most realistic thing that'll happen is we'll finish it and we might have three places and we'll be like, cool, let's, you know, we'll go home and say hi to fam and, and do that for a little bit. And then we'll be like, cool. Hey guys, see you yeah. later. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> You're too far <laughs> from everything here in New Zealand. We're, we're going to leave again. We're just too cold. And yeah, we'll go try somewhere for three months and really bed ourselves in and find the location that we'd want to live in if we did. And, you know, give it a, you know, probably not get a job, but, do stuff that keeps us busy like a job or maybe do part-time work and see if that's the thing. And I think, I think that's how it'll actually happen. But who knows? Nice. I want to see that spreadsheet too. We'll start making a joint spreadsheet guys of like <laughs> what, what best places to live. Right. And then there'll be all the little things of what is, what checks the boxes on paper. And then we'll each kind of go, like we got a big Japan group. People can try different things, you know, and we'll take their opinions with a grain of salt based on how well we know them, right? And then we'll just say like, is there a place in the world? Let's try to cover these 30 hotspots and see what happens. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I yeah. can just imagine like an open sheet where people just say like, you like put all the things at the top, like, you know, beach, tacos, like whatever. And people are like, yes, no, yes, no. For like all these random countries, someone puts in like a random city and someone's like, yes, it has. This. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I, it's such a cool thing. And it's so cool to be able to, to talk with you guys again and see that like the life path that Heather and I have and that you guys have is so similar in this idea of, Hey, I'm not saying I have to be somewhere all the time. Like I want to create a job and, and a lifestyle that allows me to try all these other things out and I'll prioritize that over some other stuff. You know, all, all the, we didn't even get into the nitty gritty, but all the stuff that you did have to give up when you were saving to travel. And there is stuff, right? Or, or some of the stuff you give up while you're traveling to keep it under 150 US a, a day, right? Like you mentioned it to you a bit. You know, you give up some stuff. You can't do, what do you say? You can't do the best of everything all the time, right? Yeah. And and so I think that that when you expand that out to a lifestyle thing, it's like, it, it also says like, what are we prioritizing? We're prioritizing the ability to try all these other things out, maybe over something else, over paying off a 15-year mortgage or wh whatever the the other counterweight to that is. Um, and uh, and just saying like, yeah, that's that's fine. Like, that's not what I need right now. I need to experience it and try all these places out for me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a whole, you know, big life things that we've, we've said, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do, we're not going to have a house anytime soon. Cause that requires that big down payment. Um, we've never owned a car, uh, you know, that's anywhere from 10 to 40 grand's worth of kind of investment. Although you I've, did own, uh, you did own a Jeep in Vietnam, right? But yeah, that was a good story. <laughs> Buying a Jeep yeah. and selling it for more at the end of the trip or the same amount. I forget exactly the, what well, you actually said. that came with the, uh, a border, uh, <laughs> a border <laughs> issue as well. Um, yeah, so we thought, A, that we could buy a car and, and freely travel in Vietnam. Uh, and the guy sold it to us, so we're like, cool. Uh, so we went 40 days from the bottom of Vietnam in this 1969 army jeep with no doors and an axe on the side, and uh, it was awesome. We put a Bose surround sound system in it, and we're blasting into cities with uh, very inappropriate music, rap music. But uh, 
we cruise around and then we get to the north and we want to take it into Laos because we wanted to drive the whole, the car the whole way through Southeast Asia. And we get to the border and the, the border patrol guy's like, you guys aren't allowed to own a car as tourists in Vietnam. Who sold you this car? And then they were like, we're going to, you know, you need to call the embassy and get some protection because you're going to go to jail. Like, this is an offense. And so me and my mate are like, what? <laughs> like, a guy sold us, like, here's the paperwork. Like, why would he do it if it's illegal? There's not much English happening. Um, so, yeah, we called the New Zealand embassy and they just they just helped. Like, we don't know what words were said, but the embassy, we hand over the phone. Like, it's, it's legit out of the movies. Like, there's one red phone on the table, like, with a dial, like a roller dial on it. And, like, the guy's like, here, talk. And we're like, okay. And it's the New Zealand embassy. And we're like, hey, this is the situation. And they're like, okay, put the guy back on and give it back to him. Words are said. Then the guy gives us back the phone. The guy's like, the New Zealand is like, it's okay. Just sell the car back today. Take a bus back to um, the main city. And it's okay. We've sorted it. And then give me back to the other guy. So we give it back to the other guy. The other guy's like not happy, smirks or something, and then slams the phone down. And he's like, go. And we're like, what just happened? New Zealand, you just like killed it. Whoever was on the other phone of that just killed it. And yeah, we took the car back. We called the guy. We're like, why did you like, what? Like, why did you sell us the guy? He's like, oh, like, but he bought it back. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't lose, you know, much on it. We, we had a bunch of repairs and stuff we had to put in the music system. But yeah, we, we gave it back to him. Uh, we actually gave it to his friend that was in a different city and parked it in some random location and left it and then and that the was things that. that happen when you travel yeah that guy that vietnamese guy thought he was getting a free car man it's what happened cool. obviously he's like oh i'm gonna get this car and all of a sudden the new zealand embassy yanked it out from under his nose man he thought he could be driving around with a boat sound system jeep yeah. that, that afternoon oh man I didn't even know, man, there's too many stories. All right. Well, I'd ask you guys, because usually I ask at the end, like for your biggest travel mishap, but we just heard the Vietnam one. We've heard the getting turned away at the Norway border one. Um, we've heard the Coast Guard one uh, yeah. a little bit, right? So I think we've, we've got the mishaps yeah. covered uh, for today. We'll let you guys off the hook without having to tell any more embarrassing stories. Um, but I just want to say, guys, uh, obviously, thank you for coming on and recording and allowing your story to be told to to the big wide world on the podcast. But also, thank you for coming on and and chatting because it's been a little too long since we had a proper catch up. So um, it was awesome. It was my pleasure. And I want you guys to tell people, Mon, tell people where they can get a hold of you and find uh, your course and then also the social media stuff for people to follow along with your journey. Cool. So the course is www.gethappy.today and the first 100 sign-ups are free. So go along and super simple to sign up. You'll get all the content by email. So an email each week. It's really short, um, but I hope that it will help people out there find purpose and fulfillment in life. Um, and yeah. in terms of socials, T, you've got the Plant-Based Voyager, which yeah. is our travel socials. It's a app, Plant-Based Voyager on Insta, and you'll see uh, kind of some cherry-picked photos as we as we head around the world. And nice. my Insta for Get Happy and Facebook is at gethappy.today for both channels. So awesome. you can find me there too. Awesome, guys. Yeah, and there's a really cute picture of a dog 
on <laughs> the page. And and if you change in the future, sorry if you went there and you didn't see the dog. But right now, as we're recording, there's an awesome picture of a dog on the page to sign up for the Get Happy. I remember Mon sent it to me. I clicked. I'm like, this makes me happy. A dog, yeah. I'm not going to ruin the surprise of what the dog's wearing, but it's a cute, <laughs> cute, cute picture. So check that out. Um, get happy today, and then at Plant based Voyager on Insta. And we'll link that up in the show notes, guys. Um, Mon and T, I, I, I hesitated because I told Heather it's going to be an hour conversation. She, she looked at me. She's like, yeah, right. And uh, we've, got, we've got a little over, right? No big deal. We're on island time here, right? Um, guys, thank you so much. It was a blast to catch up. And uh, thank you for inspiring a bunch of other people to, to travel, to do it in a way too that, that I think is a little underserved. This idea of a long term, mid-range budget, you can have it all, but not all at once, right? Um, type, type trip versus, oh my gosh, I have to do it either really budget or I have to do it really extravagant and it's going to be two, three, four weeks. I mean, for Aussies, it's usually a little longer, but for Americans, like three weeks, they're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> um, it, it's awesome to watch your journey and to know that you're getting to have these experiences and that, I, I even said this to you in the, in the messenger, we were chatting yesterday, like eight years for a three-year trip, like saving up for eight years. And as you mentioned, not, not, not going on trips during that time as well. Like still going on awesome trips, having fun, but just being cognizant that you're spending for eight years to then have three years free. That's not a bad trade-off. Pretty good. It's been amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll catch up again. Thank you, guys. Um, everyone, thank you for tuning in today for your continued support that makes this the number one travel podcast. Until next time, everyone, happy free travels. I'll show you.